You may have heard that a psychedelic ceremony provides healing and epic transformation like a decade's worth of talk therapy. What you may not have heard is that it's not the ceremony itself that radically changes your life. It's the integration of the experience. Psychedelic integration leverages the breakthroughs, insights, and clarity from ceremony towards deep healing, supreme ownership of your authentic self, and an opportunity to not just create the reality of your dreams and live on purpose, but to help others do the same. I'm Cherie Godesai, your rebel psychedelic therapist, a pioneering integration coach, and a consciousness activator. I'm also a woman with humble roots that completely transformed her life through psychedelic integration. I help people like us create our most epic and psyched lifestyle and a better world through integrating plant medicine and psychedelic experiences. Tune into today's episode to turn your day into an epic ceremony. This is the Psyched Soul Podcast. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Psyched Soul Podcast. Disclaimer that we are uh, today having a conversation that is for educational purposes only, and we do not in any way, shape, or form condone the use of illicit substances or partaking in any uh, illegal activities. We're here to talk about what it looks like to live an epic lifestyle through psychedelic integration. Current world events got me thinking about how peace is such a core concept of psychedelic integration. I've written a couple of articles about it that you can find them on my blog on my website, psychedsoul.com. And in the previous episode of this podcast, we talked about peace and peyote and how I discovered in that ceremony that I had about how we are able to resolve internal conflicts as individuals. And of course, that is the key to collective liberation. And in that episode, I mentioned meeting a woman by the name of Ava Delac, which in that conversation that we shared, as I shared in that episode, introduced herself in our connection as a peace activator. Ava, you are a peace activator, a woman's empowerment coach. You identify as a Palestinian Muslim person that also had uh, a bringing in a Christian school. So you obviously carry a multitude of identities. I would love to hear from you a little bit more about who you are in your own words, so we can get a window into your soul. Thank you, Shiri. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So I'm Palestinian. I grew up in Israel and studied in a Christian school, lived most of my life in Africa, actually. Working for the United Nations, European Union, World Bank, and other international organizations. And that's my background until I met spiritual psychology, which kind of transformed my life upside down in a way that it enables me right now to do peace activation, holding space on a weekly basis since October 7. For both Palestinian and Israeli and anybody else who feels triggered, annoyed, shamed, upset about what's going on. And we just had a call right now that was very significant. I like to say I'm a peace activator rather than peace activist, because I feel like as a peace activist, I fought for peace. We fight for peace. And I feel, or at least my understanding has brought me to the realization that I need to feel the peace inside of me to activate it outside. And the reason why I started this journey was because I was very triggered by the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And when I was studying in spiritual psychology at the University of Santa Monica, I asked my teacher, Dr. Ron Holnick, this is all good in Santa Monica. It doesn't apply in Israel. It doesn't apply to Palestine. I get triggered every time I go back and I feel like I don't have the right to be there. I don't belong. And we still don't have a Palestinian state. He introduced me to a dear friend of mine right now, Dalit Aliyahu, and he said, activate peace. Rather than fight for peace, activate peace, do peace activation. And what that means is that you need to feel the peace inside of you when you're upset because, understand where does this upset come from? 
What is the responsibility that I have in my own choices, in my own projections, in my own judgments? And so from this discussion 10 years ago, Dalit and I came together. We did spiritual psychology. She studied 10 years before me. And she actually teaches spiritual psychology in Hebrew in Israel with Master Lechaim. And we started doing workshops together, mostly for Israeli Jews, but there's some Palestinians sometimes that come, mostly Palestinian that we call Israeli Arab, but Palestinian citizen of Israel. And the main purpose is actually to understand that we are creating this reality. And that was also the discussion that I just had on the on our weekly call is how much we're all actually manipulated. We're manipulated to feel fear and separation from the other. And when you mentioned psychedelic, I think that's what psychedelic brings us. They connect it to the one. They connect us to the fact that we're all one. We're not separated beyond this polarization, beyond this identity of Palestinian, Israeli, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, whatever that is. We understand in this one field how we're connected and how we are, everything is embedded together. And so in my peace activation call, I really invite people to embrace their identities and understand that by embracing my identities, what I hear and what I say and what I want to stand for is who I am in my full potential, i.e. Mm-hmm. being Muslim, Palestinian, Israeli citizen, Belgian citizen, living in Costa Rica, a mother, a wife, a partner, none of this identity is separated. It's all together. And so when I'm embracing my identity, then I can meet you where you are at and embrace your identity rather than feel that your identity as a Jewish Israeli is a threat for me. And that's what we do with one whole piece with a Dalit. We invite Jewish and Palestinian to really feel how it is to be whole within. So a lot of the work we do in Hebrew only with Jewish Israeli, actually. And I do some work only in Arabic with Palestinians. And I feel it's important to do it in your own mother tongue because that's your feeling, the way Mm. you express your feelings. Mm. And so that's kind of a nutshell where I come from, what I do, and why I do it. Amazing. Do you remember uh, the first meeting that we had over at our mutual friend Ashley's house? Yes. It was such a pivotal moment, I think, for me for like the year, all of the year of 2023, right? And I do remember that we shared a conversation about identity specifically because we both carry multi, we call it multidimensional identities, I think. I am Israeli born, but my parents are Iranian, Jewish, and they grew up in Iran at a time where they experienced really grave anti-Semitism by the locals in Iran. And that is one of the reasons why they fled Iran to Israel. And then, you know, they immigrated there. And then we immigrated to the United States. And then they went back to Israel. And I came to Costa Rica. And we're both, you and I, we learned around that table that we are in service to consciousness. And we're writers. And we have children. And we just connected over the shared experience of being a human that does carry multi-identities. And... I feel like this is where the whole idea of identity is where a lot of people potentially get stuck right now because the identities is such a core piece of the conflict in the -hmm. land that we were both born in and were raised. And so how can we, my question is, how do you feel we can shift the narrative from basically like feeling that identity is almost more important than it just being an actual tool, because that's what it seems to me like right now. People are holding on to their identities for dear life, that they've pedestaled it to be even more precious than life in itself. That's kind of what I'm sensing. I'd love to get your opinion on that. Thank you. That's an interesting question, because I feel like I struggled with my identity, with my Palestinian identity. I've never really put it forward. I've always looked to have this multiple identity. I'm citoyen du monde. I'm like citizen of the world. I don't want to be stuck and constricted in one identity. And since October 7, I have been claiming my Palestinianhood. I've been like, no, I'm actually Palestinian and I'm actually Muslim and I'm actually this or that because I really wanted to break the stereotype around what it means 
to be Palestinian, what it means to be Muslim, what it means to be educated, what it means to be an empowered woman. All of these boxes that we're pushed against. And I feel like what happens in Israel and Palestine and elsewhere in the world, in many conflict areas, I can give you a recipe for conflict is basically you fear the other, you name the other as your enemy, you dehumanize it so that you can kill it. And then justify this killing so that it seems that it's you are protecting yourself. And that's basically what's happening here. And so, and it happened elsewhere. It's not just like a special recipe for Palestinian or Israeli. It's not. And part of the reason why I worked in Africa was that I was so charged emotionally. I couldn't work on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict because I felt triggered and I felt deep injustice and hurt that I couldn't actually really move beyond And when I started studying spiritual psychology, I understood that this is something that I have to resolve within me, but also to go and see somewhere else. How do other conflict do? Why do people fight? How do other people fight? Because it seems like with the story, the narrative that the Jewish is the selected people and there's a victim consciousness around Palestine, Israel, like right now, what I feel we witness is a competition of suffering. Who's suffering more? Is it the Israeli on the 7th of October or the Palestinian that since the 7th of October have been dying every day? There's an inability to see what's happening in the present because of the wounds of the past that remained open. And because the wounds of the past remained open, we can reenact them every day. And that's what Israel was built on. And that's what's happening also right now. And when we met, I heard your pain. And every time I hear a Jewish friend, I hear them. I hear them in their pain. As Palestinians, we're witnessing our family dying, our friends dying. Nobody's intervening versus for the Israeli, their impression is like, actually, the whole world is against us. What are you talking about? So we need to defend ourselves. So it's really two narratives of victimhood that are not on the same level, but that are competing for attention. And for me, when we are taking psychedelic or when we are in a different, in a space of consciousness, we are in a space where we see the oneness of all and not the separation. And so I didn't come to peace activation through psychedelic. I don't take psychedelic. I've taken some in the past, but what I learned when I did take it is just this sense of oneness, this Mm -hmm. sense of consciousness that elevates us beyond these small stories. And in the integration that I have done is with spiritual psychology is really to understand that we are soul, spiritual being, having a human experience. And we actually chose this human experience. I chose to be Palestinian. You chose to be Israeli Jewish. You know, whatever way you want to define yourself, we actually chose it. From that standpoint that we chose it, why did we choose it? We chose it to elevate consciousness. At least I feel like that's why I chose to be Palestinian right now. And when I speak with Dalit, my partner, that's why she chose to be Israeli Jewish, so that we can both elevate in consciousness and provide an example of what it might be. Because we don't need to be constricted. There's many, many Palestinians, many Israelis, many Jewish that actually see things the same way. But the narrative of victimization, the narrative of isolation, The narrative of fear, the fear of the other, that the other want to throw us to the sea or the other, like when I I did a video, like just by me saying I'm Palestinian, it triggered some Israeli Jewish friend. He's like, how can you be Palestinian? I thought you're my friend. Like, that's so interesting. I am your friend and I'm Palestinian. It's like my son saying, how can you be a mother, the mother of your, my brother, you're only my son. We're not, we're multiple identities. And It's actually me embracing my identities that enable me to embrace other people's identity and not be triggered. That's what I teach. How can you hold peace within you when the other is confronting you on your wounds Mm -hmm. and you're still able to hold space for them? And you're still able to hold space for your own wounds and seeing what's happening in the other. Because for now, That's my invitation for Israeli Jewish. And that's a lot of the talk that I'm participating in. How can 
for example, me as a Jewish Israeli person, I'm not, but let's imagine I'm a Jewish Israeli person. How can I, in the wound that is open, the wounds of my narrative of the anti-Semitism being hated, how can I right now see that what's happening in Gaza is not just about eliminating Hamas, because it's not even touching Hamas. It's touching people, touching a huge amount of people and families and friends. And I lost my family there as well. Mm -hmm. So how can I still have space inside of me because of the peace activation that I'm able to stand with these people and say this narrative is maybe valid or was valid before. It doesn't deny the Nakba. It doesn't deny what's happening right now. It's not either or. And I feel that's what we're invited to, understanding the paradox. And it's not by you standing with the Jewish people doesn't mean that you're not standing with me. Me standing with Palestinian doesn't mean that I'm not standing with you. We can actually stand for both. We can stand in a field. And that's that was my invitation from the start on the 7th of October. Out there between right doing and wrong doing, there's a field. I'll meet you there. And it's the field of Rumi, you know, mm -hmm. Farsi. And mm -hmm. so this field is available for everybody. This field doesn't have an identity on it. This field is the field of love that is an invitation to move beyond fear. And that's what we need right now because we are paralyzed by fear. The Palestinians are paralyzed and most of them are being killed. And Israelis are paralyzed by all the narrative that this is coming to them. They're coming to exterminate them. And even they, I don't want to, I want to retract it because it's not they versus us. There are certain people within the Israeli society that are right now in government that are not representative of the Jewish Israeli people, or at least not all of them. Just like Hamas is not representing, definitely not representing me and not representing many of my friends. Yet they are representing a section of people. And so do we want to be ruled by the fear that these two sections are inviting us? Or do we want to create a different narrative, a different future? I don't want to be in a future where I feel hatred inside of me. I want to be in a future where I feel love. And that's part of the reason why I'm in Costa Rica. And there's a lot of Israeli Jewish people in Costa Rica. It also begets the question of, okay, if all the good people between brackets, all the people that are conscious are leaving this holy land, what is left? I often ask my friends, the Jewish and the Palestinian, like we have responsibility to come back, to go and propose a different alternative. Yeah, thank you. There are a few things that you touched on specifically that again, I'm like going back to our initial conversation around that round table at Ashley's house. And you mentioned in this call as well, which is the victim consciousness. And that was definitely something that I remember was very activating to me when we discussed it initially. And I feel like both sides, as you say, there is a competition right now about who is the greater victim. And as someone that doesn't live in Israel or Palestine, you know, I have, I feel like myself, people like you, we have obviously a different vantage point, a different type of privilege and perspective to be able to look at the situation and name things that maybe while we're in there, if had we been there, would be very difficult to name because we would be steeped in a different type of narrative and yeah. discourse. Yeah, I think it is important as people who have that vantage point, as you said, if there is, you know, there is a competition, but even as leaders, we have to name that one side, quote unquote, or one people's pain is not different from the other person's pain. Pain is pain. I don't think there could be a quantification of pain. The Palestinian people are in pain and suffering. The Jewish Israeli people are in pain and suffering. I feel like because of the stories that we carry and the codes we carry, the wounds we carry, it can be easier to identify with the codes that we have within our culture more so than the codes that we don't. The thing is, when you hear Israeli Jewish, Jewish people that live actually in Israel, you hear a different discourse depending on where you are. There's a lot of initiative of Jewish and Palestinian together, trying to imagine how would it be to live together? Can we live together? And how would it look like? 
and for people that are outside that are in manifesting for Gaza or manifesting for Palestinian or manifesting for Jews, there's a discourse that is dismantled because we're taking just one sentence and making it a slogan without understanding how it might impact the other side. Mm-hmm. I can understand how it might impact a Jewish Israeli or Jewish in general because Israel is like the last stage of safety. Israel was born to ensure safety for all Jewish people. And it's around this concept, this idea of Herzl, of Zionism. Zionism was built on that. At the same time, if we take that in the context of where it comes from, if you take socialism, capitalism, Zionism, colonial project, it's all the same of separation of we're going to create utopia. But we, if we're creating utopia without taking in co- into consideration how it's impact people, regardless, I'm not even talking about Palestinian Israeli, how it's impacting people in their daily life, we're trying to take an intellectual idea and impose it on people. And to impose it on people, we need to take a narrative that would justify violence because that's, what, that's the only way where we can commit atrocity with full backup of the people. Otherwise, nobody want to commit atrocity, regardless whether it's Palestinian, Israeli, Jewish, Muslim. No human want to commit atrocity. They commit atrocity from the feeling that they are betrayed or that they are something wrong has was done to them, and so they do wrong. And so then we are in a competition of like who's, who who did the first wrong. So for me, it's like let's get out of this discussion. Let's get out of this competition of who did the first wrong and who's wrong right now. I think we're all wrong. And we're all right. I cannot negate your feeling of unsafety. I cannot. In the call that we hold weekly on a weekly basis, we had one participant, Palestinian participant, that was sharing about his daily life. And he was saying, I can't leave. I'm afraid to be shot. And then we had another Jewish Israeli that is living actually in Costa Rica. And she said, I don't feel safe. I know nothing is happening around me. But in my identity as Jewish, as Israeli, I don't feel safe when I hear that. And so I feel like we need to understand that sense of safety and real safety are actually the same. We cannot deny someone's sense of safety on the safety of the other. And that's the key. That's what we're missing. Her sense of safety or your sense of safety is as valid as the sense of safety of someone that is under attack because that's where you go to in your psyche. And we want to invite people to move out, to feel safe enough inside so that they can create space outside, not to dehumanize the other or attack the other. And I think that's the challenge. The real challenge is not to decide, is it going to be from the sea to the river? Is it going to be have the sea here and have the river? Is it going to be up or down? Which part is Israel? Which part is Palestine? That's what we've been trying to do for the past 75 years. It didn't work. We still don't have a state. I think what we need to deal with is, and that's why another Palestinian leader was saying, we're being asked to deal with the trauma of the Jewish people, but nobody's dealing with the trauma of the Palestinian people. And right now we're hearing more and more Israeli Jews saying, we have to deal with the trauma of the Palestinian people. And I think when we understand that we're trauma responsive, and I really like this word, trauma responsive, we understand that there's something about the trauma that is reenacted right now. What we're living right now is reenacting the trauma of the Holocaust for the Jews. And we cannot deny it, even if we feel that this is what's happening right now in Palestine. We have to take that into consideration, that that's what's happening. What, that's what they hear. They don't hear the story of what's happening, what the IDF is doing in Gaza or in the West Bank. They're hearing Hitler and what's happening. So they're like in completely different reality that justify the current reality. So you're basing your presence completely on the past. And that there's no freedom there. There's no freedom. There's no space. There's no peace. You don't want to be there. Nobody. But that's where we are. And so for us to understand especially the supporter of Palestine, the supporter of freedom for Palestine, is to understand it's freedom for all. One freedom cannot come at the expense of the other. 
one justice cannot come at the expenses of other. Everyone, whether you're Jewish, Israeli, Palestinian, Muslim, Christian, you all have the right to live. We all have the right to live and to live with respect, with dignity, with integrity. And it's with this that we can then engage in peace activation. Raise your hand if psychedelic medicines have changed your life. Raise both hands if you are a cisgender female that wants to serve in the psychedelic renaissance as an integration coach, a healer, or a psychedelic therapist, but have no idea where and how to begin. Soul Sister, welcome home to the Psyched Souls Integration Coaching Certification Program for Visionary Women, our best-selling six-month professional training and personal development program where you get to dive into your own integration practice way beyond meditation and journaling, all while getting certified as a high-caliber psychedelic integration coach and guide. In our iconic program, you do your work through an experiential, creativity-centered, and system-disrupting transformational vortex that is grounded in proven methods and expert-level technologies, preparing you to take root as a psychedelic leader in your community. You have full intention to participate in this revival, and we provide you with the know-how, with the tools, and with the full-body confidence to create it. So if you are a psychedelic-informed woman with a huge heart of service that is ready to get off the fence and unapologetically step out into the world offering psychedelic support, stop playing small, take a leap into your soul-aligned, paradigm-shifting service career in the psychedelic revival and help spread more light consciousness in the world. Learn more and apply at psychedsoul.com training. I feel like our conversation so far is somewhat of a microcosm of other conversations that are happening in the field in the way that there seems to be a tendency, of course, to begin naming all the things that happened across history that are happening because, of course, each person feels the responsibility of speaking up and expressing you know, what they've been through, what their people are going through. But then I feel that at least it's always seems to me since the beginning of the war, like in every online interaction, like all these girls that I see on Facebook, the list of facts go on and on to a point where people, again, forget that this is exactly what got us here in the first place, all this quarreling. There's thousands of years of history and trauma that are at play here right now. And by the not just for the Palestinians, not just for the Israelis, but also for the whole world. You spoke about trauma response. I think the entire world right now is being activated because of um, global collective trauma patterns that this conflict is signifying. So every time I'm, I see like the pull to, okay, let's list the facts because we want things to be straight. I'm like, we can do this until the end of time. And they're still not going to be like, you know, right side. So how about, can we like find a way to agree on maybe even it's like the fact that we may never, ever get to the bottom of this, right? And try to find a way forward because this is what we all want. You know, at the end of the day, I believe that everyone wants to live in peace. Now choose peace over like what is happening right now. And of course, maybe peace looks different to different people, but to live as a sovereign being in safety, be in freedom, have your rights, have your dignity, and just live life peacefully with your neighbors. That's what we all want. So what could that look like to move towards that while naming the pain? How can we move towards this new paradigm that we are attempting to create, uh, that we're moving towards? What, are, what do you think about that? I think the way forward is to understand that the past, whatever happened in the past, has impacted the present. And we have a choice. Either it will impact the future or not. Either our past is defining our present and future, or our past is a lesson that we learn from, and we gather these lessons learned and best practices and worst practices, and we create in the present a better future for us. And how does this future look like? For me, and that's what come up in a lot of the Zoom right now, is that 
the Israeli society and the Jewish people have lived in a 75 years of denial of what's going on next door. And that's why October 7 was brutal. And so the question we get is what's happening in a lot of the Zoom is like, okay, what actually happened? Tell us what actually happened. And you have, you see a lot of videos of Israeli Jews. Like, I had no idea. This is a wake up call. I didn't know that in my name this was happening. So there's different segments of society that are awakening. There's different segments of society that were aware and want to just move forward. And there's different segments of society that is just out of there. And I think what we want to create is not just a vision for Palestine, Israel. I think what we're being called for is a vision for the world. Which world do we want to live in right now? And that's why many people are riding the wave of Gaza, I call it. People are riding the wave of Gaza because they're done with their own system. The fact that they are manipulated, the fact that we are in a metric system where things are out of our control and we don't know how to get it back. And so we are creating in Costa Rica as well. There's many like patches of community that want to live outside of the system, self-sustainable, off the grid. I'm part of that movement. At the same time, I'm like, how much is it to get out of the system and create a parallel system or work within this system to make changes inside? And I think, again, it's not either or. I think it's both. I think what we have here in Costa Rica is creating an alternative model of how it could be, how it, mm. how we could live together in harmony, not only with each other, but also with nature, with the animals. How is it that we can live in a way that is not abusive, not to the nature, but also not to the human or to the animal? How can we live in respect of ourselves and others? And then within that, we have the system. I think it's crumbling, even if it doesn't look like that. It is definitely crumbling because the more the manifestation is not just like from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. It's actually the slogan is the world. The world is going to be free because nobody is free until everybody is free. And everybody will be free. Everybody, mixed identities, when they understand that they have the choice to be manipulated or not. They have the choice to choose no side. You have the choice of choosing no side. You have the choice to choose the field of love where you can all meet and create something completely different, keeping what was good in this system. There are certain structures that are good, the system principles that are good. Everything is crumbling because right now we're seeing is like, it doesn't work. Human right, it doesn't work. This UN system, it doesn't work. This European Union system, it doesn't work. And for me, I've worked in these organizations and I see why it doesn't work. Because once a person is within a structure, there's this illusion that I don't have to take responsibility anymore. The structure is responsible. The state of Israel is responsible. The Palestinian authority is. So where is the individual? For me, the, the only way forward is through individual action, individual responsibility in small things and big things. But it's like the choice that I'm going to make in terms of how I'm going to speak, what I'm going to write, what thing I'm going to like. What thing I'm going to post, because the war is also in the Instagram, the Facebook, the social media, the TikTok. So that's where it's ravaging disaster because people feel not accountable. They're like, oh, I can post anything I want. But where's your responsibility? When I speak, when you speak, do you want to increase more connection or more separation? I think that's the way forward. The way forward is for each individual to take responsibility for daily choices on how am I moving forward when I am triggered? Right now I'm triggered. What do I do with this trigger? Do I spill it over the other person? Or do I contain myself and take care of the parts in me that are feeling triggered, that are feeling wounded, that are feeling disrespected, not taken into account? And it's like constant. I'm, I'm sure I triggered you several times in this conversation because of what I say. So what? You can take responsibility for that. Same for me. Maybe in the way that you ask a question, I might be triggered. So what? How can I still take responsibility for my trigger? And so we're still able to level up our discussion on a conscious level. I was in so many disagreements with Dalit, my partner, 
And the beauty of our friendship and love is that we could sit in this disagreement and say, no, I don't agree with you. And she's like, no, you cannot say that. Both of us disagreeing completely. Yet, because of the love that we have for each other, we were able to sit in this disagreement. And so when I would post something or when she would post something, it's like, what do we think? I think of her, she thinks of me. How would ever react? How would the lead react? So then it actually keeps you in check because I feel what's happened on social media, people are not in check. They just don't care. The amount of hate messages that I see going there is just like, wow. So what is all protecting or representing Palestinian? I don't feel represented in that. I don't want to promote hatred. I want my freedom. I want my state, but I don't want hatred. And I think also same for Israeli Jewish. They don't want hatred. Nobody wants hatred, but we are being used and manipulated. You know, I just spoke with a friend of mine who is writing an amazing book on like how to control people. How do you create fight? How do you create conflict? And it's really interesting how she breaks it down. And I really love it because in a way, it's really what's happening right now. The thing what happened the 7th of October, amazing scenario. It's an amazing scenario to justify what's happening right now. And nobody even knows where it's going. It's like third month and we still don't have the hostage or not out. Hamas is just getting stronger and more people are being killed. What's really happening here? People need to start asking, are we after what they say they are after, or is there another scenario here? There is. Clearly there is. And so in between, who are being left out is the people that truly want peace, the people that truly want connection, belonging, that want to move forward. These are the hostage, and we're being hostage of manipulation, control, drama, victimization. And so my responsibility is to step out of drama, to step out of the victimization, to step out of the narrative and define my own narrative. How do I want to see myself and my story? Beautiful, yeah. You know, when you mentioned that which side, which side do we choose? We choose no side. This is exactly one of the set phrases that I wrote in my article, Peace and Peyote, is we do need to choose a side. We choose a side of peace. Right. There has to be a place where we can all connect and like you said, we'll meet each other there. I have to say, like, I found myself extremely triggered by this conversation so far. I felt like it took a turn that I wasn't anticipating. And again, going into the facts, which this is where personally I always I find the conversation gets stuck on. And I am interested in, yeah, finding the ways that each of us can take responsibility so we can shift the narrative. But I don't think that the conversations for healing per se have to happen with dialogue with other people. I think first and foremost, a lot of the healing or the triggers investigation can happen individually. So we can arrive to the table at a place where we are able to, you know, uplift a discourse. And, you know, this is something that I'm still contending with, to be very honest. Yeah, I stopped posting on social media because I have noticed that every time, and it doesn't even matter if the intention is peace, like a picture of a child that looks from an Arab descent and a picture of uh, a child that looks like they're from a Jewish descent. You put that together, even that, that was one of the most triggering posts I think that I've ever posted on my feed. Everyone was on fire because of an image of what I thought was peaceful. Yeah, you just don't know like what impact any move that you make, any picture, any sentence, any word can have on the collective. And how can we, knowing that, being aware of that, being aware that there's always a potentiality for creating more splitting in someone's field, potentially, who knows? How can we show up to these conversations in a way that does ultimately bring peace? Coming from the heart. Really, it's as simple and as complicated as that. It's really showing up with authenticity, vulnerability, and a huge amount of compassionate self-forgiveness. It's okay for you to be triggered. It's okay for me to be triggered. It's okay for us to come to show up publicly with the amount of pain we're currently having. 
that's the only way we can hear each other. And you know how they say in psychology, if a person repeats the same thing over and over again, it's because they don't feel heard. And I think that's why we keep coming back. Let's go back to the fact. But remember, the fact is in 1948, but things happened before 1948. It happened way beyond. And so where do we start and where do we end? I think we start and we end with the personal story without perceiving the personal story as a negation of my personal story. When we met at Ashley, I had a lot of compassion for you. And I still do, not only for you, because for many of my Israeli friends, because I grew up in Israel, I understand this culture very well. I understand the symbolism of things. I can read in between the lines. And so I can hear why you would be hurt. And at the same time, because I'm Palestinian, and I also understand this culture, and I understand why they would be hurt. And I pray for grace. It's like they're both hurting. It doesn't matter why. Really, it doesn't matter why you hurt. It doesn't matter why I hurt. I hurt. You hurt. And that's for me, the meeting in the heart. It's not going to help me that you tell me the long list of wounds and wrong I did to you. Nor will it help you that I give you a whole list of the wrongs you did to me. But if I hear you and if you hear me in my pain, without negating it and without attaching to it immediately your pain, then we can meet in that field. And I think what happened till now is like, it's as if Palestinians didn't have the right for their pain without attaching to it Israeli pain. No, it has the right to exist independently. And yeah, it happens to be that certain Jewish people have caused this pain. And we cannot deny that. It happened. At the same time, are we going to take all the Jews and all the Israelis that they caused all the pain for the Palestinians? No, there were other actors. There were the Arab countries. There was the states. There was like so many components. They they rate Britain. So we're not going to take just one piece and say you are responsible. You are to blame. You are to blame. You are to blame. Impossible. However, we can come to a place where like can we take a breath together and understand that my hurt doesn't deny your hurt and all I want right now is for the killing to stop. I want the war to stop. And same for you. You want the war to stop. Regardless of you want the hostage to go back. People in Israel, they want to go back to normal life. Is there even normal life? Palestinians want to go to normal life without the occupation. They want to be able to open the door and go out without being killed, without having to go through a checkpoint that is justified because the Israeli have a sense of insecurity. That's not okay. And for every, sing- every logical person, they would say, yeah, no, that's not okay. Of course not. I don't want that. But the way I would frame it, when it is being framed outside of this context of heart and authenticity and vulnerability, when it's being framed, I have to occupy these people because these people want to kill you. These people are trained, educated, and raised to kill you, to hate you. So these people, if they come here, you won't exist. So understand, that's how we grow up. Even me as Palestinian, being raised up in Israel, I grew up in this hatred of the Palestinian as wanting to come kill Israel without this political consciousness. And a lot of people that come to Costa Rica, especially Israeli Jews, they want to detach from the politics. They're like, oh, headache. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. But the politics is the contract that we have as individual with our state. That's why I say I'm Israeli. I have an Israeli passport. And I'm Palestinian. I'm not going to negate the fact that there's the state that is that I'm carrying the passport. Is it, Its name is not Israel. It is. That's what enabled me to travel at the same time. I'm not going to negate that this state came on the land of my ancestors, that my mom and my dad had to flee and luckily their parents were able to come back. And that's the only reason why I'm not in Gaza and I'm actually right now still living. So we have to understand that it's within, it's peace activation within. It's how am I able to sit inside of me with the grief without denying you your grief that I don't need to compare and please don't compare 
Don't compare your grief. Don't compare your victimhood. Don't compare your suffering. Palestinians' right for existence can be just next to Israeli Jewish right for existence. And that's what we've been denying for the past 75 years. The safety of us all, not only Israeli and Jewish, Palestinian, is actually a freedom for all. Is the liberation, collective liberation will enable peaceful coexistence. And again, via the individual transformation, because it's all within we are creating this. And that's what we see in psychedelic. We connect the dots with nature. We're like, oh, it's a joke. Everything that's happening here is a joke. And we're just so attached to our identity. We're so attached to our narrative and to our story. But when we step out, we're like, no need, really. Yeah, it's like an oak tree that say, tell to a bamboo, oh, look at you, you're so thin. And I'm stronger than you. You don't have this type of conversation in in nature, everybody coexists with all their differences. Yeah. One concept that we discussed also at the time was one of that we called it noble enemies. We both agreed that there is some type mm -hmm. of a dharmic, a dharmic soul contract between Israelis, Jews, Palestinian, Muslims right now, mm -hmm. which is playing out on one of the most sacred sites probably in the world, or at least a site that is considered sacred by many people, many nationalities, religions, and a psychodrama that is playing out between two people that seems like they have chosen again to come to this planet at this time and battle out or play out a collective dynamic that at the end of the day, again, it's a pattern that we have in the collective and it's like we were, were presented that dynamic. And that's why the entire world is involved. And everyone is looking to the land right now to see how we're going to figure this out. Because once we do, we're literally going to create or right now is being created a new type of sacred geometry in the collective field. And everyone mm -hmm. is looking forward to that day. I still hold a vision, a possibility. Again, I'm not exactly sure how this could happen, you know, with the heart to heart conversations, the doing the internal work, the looking at the shadows, everyone involved right now has a lot of shadow work that they're going through. I definitely feel that for the Jewish people, there is a lot of shadow work and a lot of deep stuff that needs to be looked at. We have some work ahead of us. I'm not sure how long it's going to take. Maybe generations. Who knows? Who knows if this will ever get cleared out? But I'm hopeful that eventually we will come to a place when we can come to integration. I do see that. I see that too. I share that vision, actually. I do. When we met, I said, yeah, from the start, I said, Palestinian and Israeli are noble enemies. Noble because it requires a quite level of, I want to say consciousness and to be willing to come back and play that level of unconsciousness for the Jewish people to go through the Holocaust. And from that story to come victorious, to create a state of Israel and for the Palestinian to go through like as part of the Arab collective, to come out as be now take the place of the victim, be under occupation and no freedom. And now everybody riding the wave of the Palestinian free Palestine, but what they want to call is free us. Everybody wants to free themselves, freedom in all these different places. And so for me, it is being played out on the most sacred site because it was a choice where the whole of humanity has to witness what's happening. Because I don't think that they are, I don't think that the solution would come from them. Them meaning Israelis and Palestinians that are right now fighting. The solution actually has to come out from the outside. And I don't know if I shared this vision with you when we met, but what I see or what I saw is really the amount of light that is right now on the sacred site, Kotel Maravi, the Dome of the Rock, and all these holy places. There's huge amount of light there that is being pushed down by darkness. Our light, the light outside, has to be as high as the light that is being pushed down for it to crash the darkness. So the solution is not what Palestinian and Israeli agreed to do is to fight. Their role is actually to fight. 
our role, those of us who are outside, who are working on ourselves, who are doing this consciousness work, our role is to shine the light on this place rather than fight each other and do hateful comments. It's when we will be able outside of this place to shine the light, all of us around the world, shine the light on the Dome of the Rock, on these places, on these holy sites, then the light from down and the light from outside would be able to crush the darkness. And this, we can only do it together. We cannot do it as Palestinian. We cannot do it as Israelis. We cannot do it separate. We have to do it as united. And that's why it's the community, come unity. This is the community that we're looking for. We're looking to bring this unity away from the duality, to move out of the duality. Because just like in psychology, what, how do we move out of the duality, the binary, the opposition is when we have a third part, the third part, this observer. And right now, the observer, the international community, is really failing big time. And so that's where the awakening need to come. The awakening need to come that it's not pro-Palestine or pro-Israel. It's pro-life. It's pro-heart. Exactly. It's pro-peace. It's pro-justice, it's pro-freedom, it's pro-everything that we want to have in our inner world so that it can activate, be activated in the outer world. Beautiful. Yeah, this is a great time to bring the episode to a close with that particular message. Because usually I have my last conclusion is, well, what's your message to the world? But it feels like this is literally it. We have to be pro-life, pro-peace, pro-integration, pro-unity. Yes. Tell us about how listeners can find you and about your offering that you want to share with them. Sure. My name, Eva Dalak, E-V-A-D-A-L-I-K dot M-E. I offer different packages of coaching and I'm happy to offer a free Embrace Your Identity call for your listeners. And a hundred dollar discount with the code Psychic Soul for people that would buy any of the package with your code. Awesome. Thank you. And we're going to have all the uh, links to uh, Ava's socials and how you can connect with her and all the beautiful gifts that she's bestowing on you in the show notes. So feel free to connect with Ava on that. And also don't forget to listen to the previous episode, which I feel like is a prequel to this particular episode. I want to thank you so much, Ava, for being a peace activator. Literally, I feel like in the conversations that you guide or you participate, you are alchemizing a type of vortex. And I'm so grateful to swirl in this vortex with you. I look forward to more dialogues and I do look forward to finding peace and forgiveness and beauty and reuniting in the shared human journey that we all share at the end of the day and that we will find the way together. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone who listened today. I hope you enjoyed our episode. And remember, it's not the psychedelic, it's the integration. Cheers to you, psych friend, for completing this episode of the Psych Tool Podcast. Find today's show's notes and all relevant links, as well as a free gift for you on psychsoul.com slash podcast. And don't forget to join our exclusive Psych Soul Tribe WhatsApp group through the link in our show notes. Go ahead and leave us a great review because it helps make the podcast visible to a lot more people. You can help us grow our tribe and create some epic magic in someone's life by downloading and sharing the episode with someone you care about. And remember, it's not the psychedelics, it's your integration.